0: Welcome to the Parenting with Impact podcast with your hosts, Elaine Taylor-Klaus and Diane Dempster, co-creators of ImpactParents.com, an online community, award-winning blog, and service organization, helping parents all over the world to raise complex kids become capable, independent adults. Hi, everyone. Elaine and Diane here. And we know that you want your complex kids to grow up to be happy and independent. And yet you're not always sure how or when to help with
1: that. In this podcast, we'll encourage you to collaborate with all kinds of complex kids and support them in navigating life and learning. And we'll interview leading experts from around the world,
0: as well as parents in our own community, talking about how training for parents actually helps these complex kids.
1: We'll talk about the issues we hear parents struggling with all the time and how a coach approach can support and empower your amazing young people. We won't tell you
0: what to do. We're going to help you figure out how. So let's move on to the next conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to another conversation of the Parenting with Impact podcast. Uh, Our our guest today is Tasha Shore. We are going to have a a super impactful, powerful conversation, I know, because we've met her before, and so we know that that, uh, it it comes with a lot of uh, lightness and depth all at the same time. So welcome, Tasha. We're thrilled to have you.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much for inviting me.
1: It's a pleasure. Diane, you want to kick us off? Yeah, Tasha, kick us off by giving us a little bit of the backstory. How did you end up doing what you do?
2: Yeah. So, well, maybe we should tell people what I do, which is I I run a business called Parenting Boys Peacefully with the mission of creating a more peaceful world, one sweet boy at a time. And I got there. Let's see. It's kind of a funny story or or maybe not funny, but like an unexpected story in that I grew up. With my mom, we were a dynamic duo and I was very much um, sort of steeped in in feminist theory and values. And my focus growing up was always women's rights, raising women up. Um, I could, you know, my mom was very clear, you know, you are a girl and you can be anything. We would protest, we would fight for, for women's rights. It, it was... It, I went out, I went to college. I was a women's studies major in college. And the short story is, and then I had three boys, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's the very short version. Um, you know, a little bit longer version is that I'll just say, I remember one morning when I had this thought like, Oh my goodness, what if I have a boy? And so what did <laughs> I, I do? That. I called my mom, because that's what you do when you grow up with your mom and you have a, Thought like that, you call your mom and you say, Mom, what if I have a boy? <laughs> right. And then there was just silence on the end of the phone, with, which felt like forever, but in fact, probably it was just a few seconds. And then she said, Don't worry, Tasha, we'll figure it out. And
1: <laughs> what a great and, mom answer. Go, mom.
2: Right. But when you think about it, it's kind of funny. I mean, first of all, like, what does it matter? It's just that, like, our world. Our my, her world and my world were so female focused that it never, yeah. it never even occurred to me that I would have a boy ever yeah. in my life. Like I would just have a daughter and we would be another dynamic duo, like my mom and I. So what you know, when I had a boy and then another one and then another one, I found myself confronted with a situation where I had been brought up with the feminism where whether or not that the intention was such, I interpreted. I interpreted men and boys to be the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And I want to just preface this by saying I am still a feminist. I call myself a feminist. I have no problem with the terminology. Okay. But, but I sort of hit a bump in the road. I wasn't quite sure how to marry this deep belief that I had in feminism and, and, and women's rights and the fact that, I loved these boys more than anything. And I needed to figure out how to advocate for them sometimes despite behaviors um, and not, you know, you know, because they were doing things that maybe I didn't like, or I didn't feel proud of and I, they needed help. um, And I didn't, I could no longer just let myself say, well, oh, well, you know, that's how boys are. That's how men are. You know, they're the bad guys. It was like, Oh, actually these are my kids. I love them. So, I need to move into the gray zone and, you know, and then one thing led to another and here I am. Well,
0: you know, and and there's so many directions we could just go before we move forward and we will move forward. But, but a couple of two things come up as I hear your story. One is, um, so I have my eldest child, I I have a very similar uh, background to yours from a kind of feminist activist perspective. Mm -hmm. And my eldest child was assigned a female at birth. Mm And then my second child was assigned female at birth. My th- for a child, third child was was assigned male, right? And and when my eldest child finally started coming out as trans in their twenties, uh-huh. part of the conflict for them had been they had been raised in this very strong feminist environment, yeah. and they loved what it meant to be a woman. And we're struggling with their own conflict of, I'm all these things, right? I am, yes, woman. I am also, yes, my masculine. And so, you know, another lens for parents listening. There are a lot of ways in which, you know, we want to raise our kids to be who they are. And we don't know who they are when they first come out. Well, yeah. and, and then we have our lens. And what I hear you speaking of is that you have this lens that you had to figure out. How do I bring this lens to, to meet these people who they are?
2: Right or or do I need to change my lens or do I need to, you know, shift the focus of the lens? I don't want right. to necessarily abandon it, but maybe it's not everything, right? Maybe it wasn't quite in focus or maybe there's some nuances that I wasn't aware of that I need to become aware of. So absolutely, it's always well, about changing and growing as we gather new info. Yeah. Well, and there's so many different directions we could go.
1: One of the one of the places I could invite us to is you know, you're you're talking about underlying values. And for you, the value, the values that went along with your your feminism and that, that label that you carried. And part of what we as parents do is we, you know, it's the difference between wanting our kids to have our values versus inspiring our kids to create their own values and to live by their own values. And mm-hmm. there's a flavor of that in what you're discussing that could be an invitation for us to talk about it. I don't know if we want to go there, but it's just kind of what popped in for me as you were saying that Tasha.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think for me, it was about sort of perpetuating my values at that point. It was just kind of like an awareness of, Oh, the values that I have or not even necessarily the values, but like the way I'm playing them out mm-hmm. doesn't necessarily fit my reality anymore. Or maybe this is an invitation to understand that it actually never really fit my values. I just wasn't aware of it until I pushed up against something that that made me question them.
0: Yeah. Well, and as I'm hearing it's like, well, if you look at the underlying value or goal or mission or whatever, it, you know, ultimately feminism is about egalitarianism. And right. really what you're bringing is what is it to parent children from a place of Freedom and free expression, understanding who they are and what how they're wired and what they bring to that to that game.
2: it's also a lot about how the world treats people yes. who move through the world as boys and men, and so I think that there are a lot of people who are afraid to have this conversation then in, in light of the me Too movement, the feminist movement, which I absolutely in case I haven't made it clear support um, <laughs> and Our boys are having a hard time, like they are having a really hard time and it's not serving anybody. You know, if you read the news, that's kind of obvious. It's not serving anybody by letting them fall. So we need to take their struggles seriously and we need to figure out how to understand their calls for help and and as importantly, how to answer those calls for help and not just sort of let them fall. So let's let's look at the calls
0: for help. So our, our boys are having a hard time. Translate that for parents listening. What does that mean?
2: I mean, it means a lot of things in, in a lot of different families. I mean, I think it means like on the, on the big scale, there's a lot of sort of limited access to to an array of emotions, and a lot of our boys are left with just anger. We look at the news, right? I mean, who is perpetrating most of the violence? men um, they were once boys they are falling behind in terms of college admissions now there could be and, and graduation i mean now there could be and there is a discussion happening about whether or not college is even worth it anymore i get that But the fact that I think it's like by fourth grade or something, they're already falling behind academically. I mean, this is a problem. It's things that we need to look at. They're they're not. I mean, yes, they're still um, in the C-suites. They still outnumber women. But overall, I mean, women have made huge progress and we need more. We need to continue making that progress. But men are falling out of the workforce. And, 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 and there's just a lot of big, big problems, how that looks in our families. I was gonna say, so let's
0: bring that down to something that that what do we want parents of boys to what, what do you want them to begin to to look at or understand differently?
2: Right? Well, well what I want to before I even say that, I just want to say the importance of understanding sort of the bigger picture is that when parents come to me, they're terrified. Yeah, I mean, they are terrified. They are sort of future fearing that their boy is going to be, you know, a rapist. He's going to end up in jail. He's going to be the next school shooter. I mean, these are real fears that parents of very young boys have because this is what we're seeing. So when they see their little guy pull the chair out from under his sister when she sits in his chair at the table, you know, his chair at the table, they freak out.
0: Right. Catastrophize forward to exactly.
2: Right. So, we see oh, I work with a lot of families who are struggling with aggression, so that can look like hitting, biting, spitting, pinching, calling names, uh, all, all of these things, right? That, that tends to be what it looks like. We see a lot of struggle in school, right? Calling out, being disruptive, turning tables over, I mean, all, all kinds of stuff going on. D- generally, it's the behavior that people it, it, people would call it bad behavior. And a lot of the time what's happening is that with girls, we tend to look more at the holistic view of what's going on and what the environment is and what might be contributing to their behavior. And when we're looking at boys, we tend to blame them. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. So I'll just stop there for a second. Well,
1: yeah. no. So what's coming up is, is that what you're saying is that two things. One is that disproportionately, I'm guessing these behaviors are more likely to come out in people who present as boys than they are as girls. But when it does show up as a girl in a girl, that people are looking at it more holistically rather than just saying this is a bad kid.
2: That's right. You know, you have a kid, you have a girl who gets, you know, cleated on the soccer field. The coach is much more likely to say, hey, you know, take a seat, take a breath, you know, take a moment for yourself. Calm down, you know, come come back in when you're when you're ready, kind of a thing, you know, pat, pat, pat. A boy is much more likely to get, um, you know, suck it up. You need to get out here. We need you out here, you know. If you don't get it together, you're out next game.
0: So, so that's, reprimanded for the same behavior that somebody right. else might be be supported through learning
2: to manage. Right. And I think a lot of that is because we're afraid to see boys feel like we yeah. still see it as weakness.
0: Yeah. So let's let's take a quick break and then we're going to let's come back and talk about that. Hi, it's Elaine. And if you like this podcast, you'll love our coach approach. Whether you're a parent looking for support or professional supporting families, we invite you to download a free guide with 12 key coaching tools at impactparents.com dot com slash gift. You can begin using a coach approach to help kids become more independent or improve all of your conversations at work and at home. That's impactparents.com. dot com slash gift so welcome back our conversation today is with tasha shore we're talking about raising boys and in the realm of of the modern world and we've been talking about uh, how it's different and how boys are treated differently and the risks facing boys in in the world that we're in and you were just talking before the break about um, issues of aggression and navigating aggression where do we want to go with this conversation? I, I kind of want to go back to that question of what is what is important that parents understand if they're raising boys in this world. What do we what do we want parents to begin to look at differently?
2: I think one of the main things, you know, this actually just happened with a client of mine, a dad I'm working with, and and he's like, you know, things are things are kind of different. I think it's because like summer's over and he's back in school now. And I said, "Um, I I don't think actually that's why things are growing better, because generally things go the other way. Kids go back to school and, you know, the behaviors get Get worse. Right. Right. Um, and, And I said, I just want to point out that you just told me that you had really switched your mindset from a place of your job as being a dad is to like, educate your child and make sure he knows right from wrong and and really be giving him information and keeping him on track. Two, my job is to really stay connected to him and let him know that, you know, I'm on his side. So I'm like, hang tight, dude. Like (laughs) I I think something else happened and you're making that happen. Right. Right. So yeah, parents need to know that connection is where it's at. Right. All the aggression, whatever it looks like, is a call for help. Right. And and we need to always answer that call for help with connection because nobody can change, not me, not you, not anybody out there, without feeling like somebody gets us, that we're seen, that we're loved. If we feel attacked, if we feel criticized, if we feel like somebody doesn't like us, we're not able to show up as our best selves. We're already on the defensive. Right.
0: Right. And those of you listening, you now know why we wanted Tasha on this conversation, because I love what what you're pointing to, which is as parents, we have this tendency to see our kids behavior shifting more desirable ways. And then we point to all the external reasons why that's happening instead of being willing to slow down a little bit and look at ourselves and our role in our relationship and our connection and say, wow, when I lean into relationship, this kid does better.
2: Yeah. And to be clear, it doesn't take that long to do. And it's actually not that hard. I mean, I I had been working with this father for exactly two weeks at the point (laughs) of this conversation. I mean, that's not a very long time. And he's just like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. He keeps having these sort of epiphanies. And his energy, just even if he doesn't go back and drastically change everything that he does, if all that he did is let go of the harsher sort of more behaviorist sort of approaches that he was using, even if he didn't know what to do next or instead, but even if he just let go of that, but was showing and was showing up with this different energy of I see you and I want to connect that already is creating change in his kids behavior. Right.
1: Well, and you're describing a dad's engagement. And I just want to speak out for the moms on here. It, it I mean, I'm, I'm guessing it doesn't have to be a dad that does this, that it's more about oh, of
2: course, of course a parent.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and a lot of moms out there who don't have co-parents who are in the game to do the kind of thing that you're describing that even if it's just them, that they can make a difference in terms of supporting their kiddo as well.
2: Of course. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So
0: it's what you pointed to, and let's go back to that, is a mindset shift, right? What we're really talking about is changing the lens from our job is to tell them and direct them through their life to our job is to connect with them and help them figure out what their path is in their life.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's one. There are lots of mindset shifts. Like, I I think it's also really important to work with our kids with the premise that they're doing the best that they can always. Because Mm -hmm. even if, you're going, Oh God, Tasha, you're crazy. Like, you know, no, like I have seen him be able to sit at the table, eat his dinner without throwing food. So I know he can do it. (laughs) You know, no, even, even in the moment where he doesn't like the food and he throws his plate on the floor, that's still, we, we, we would still do better to believe, even if you're having to sort of stretch your believe muscle to be able to do it we're still better to believe that he's doing his best in that moment because because when we don't we we go straight into that blaming mode the victimy right. mode the what's wrong with him mode the worry mode the what have i done to create such a monster mode right. okay none of that helps us but when we are when we go okay he's doing the best he can the best is crap. This is not good enough right now, right? I'm not saying it's okay, or this is what we want from our child or anything like that. But when we switch our mindset to he's doing the best he can in that moment, then we can start asking questions that we can actually do something about. Like, what right. can I do, adult with fully developed brain, to help this situation sort of, you know, go better now and also in the future, right? right. So so there are lots of mindset shifts. That's one. Also, Okay, so go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I was going to say, so let's let's look at mindset shifts. So we've got, you know, the value of connection. We've got kids are doing best as best as they can in that moment. What else do you think are some critical? Well, the other um, one I heard
1: to go back to Tasha is the one about boys in the full range of emotions, right? It's just sort mm-hmm. of that's where you started was girls are welcomed with this breadth of emotions and boys are kind of pigeonholed into a particular way of, of feeling. Is that what you mean? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we do need to shift our mindset from like, boys are tough, boys can handle it to understanding that, um, you know, people, including boys are quite sensitive and many boys are extra sensitive, actually. Um, you know, there have been studies that show that boys at birth are even more sensitive So as, as babies. So we need to lean into that and understand that there is tenderness there and there's nothing weak about us being tender and loving with, with our little guys. There's nothing wrong with that at all. So, so that would, that would be another mindset shift. Absolutely. Um, But what I was going to say before was, um, you know, in addition to working with the premise that our child is doing the best that they can always, I always say to parents, we also want to work with the premise that you are doing your best always and that you always have because that allows for uh sort of self-compassion. Yeah. Right. That yeah. allows for us to make mistakes, which we're all going to make, right. We are all, we all have in the past and will again say something or do something to our child or with our child that we wish we could take back because we are all human. That is normal. But what we do want to do is get ourselves into what I call good enough parenting shape so that those kinds of things happen less and less frequently. Love that. But yeah. we're always doing the best that we can. There's no like beating ourselves up. Like there, there's just no point. It's just a spiral downward.
0: Yeah. Beautiful. We, we talk about that a lot in the concept of up until now, what you, you know, you can only do, you, you did the best with what you had at that moment. That's and you know, that Maya Angela quote, when you know better, you do better
2: right right well yeah. and, and that's actually an interesting quote i mean i love her it's not the exact and, quote but yeah and, and yes like when we know better we 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 think we're going to do better um what i would say to parents is that just knowing better oftentimes isn't, isn't enough. enough isn't enough to do right, better. right. Correct. so like most people who are listening to this are probably pretty darn smart You've probably listened to a lot of parenting podcasts. You've probably read most parenting books out there. You're you're not lacking information, right? right. So it, it's not. And still, you might be struggling. And I just want to say that's normal because there is a myth that if we just know know enough, we'll be able to do better. But we are emotional creatures, and so we actually have to do our emotional healing in order to be able to implement. All of this amazing information that we gather. So there is another piece that we have to kind of we can't ignore. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. Fair, and that's an, when we talk yeah. about it. It's in the context of here's where you are now. Totally, I get it. Right? What do you want? Yeah, yeah. What do you want to create from here? So, any other yeah. before we we and we need to start wrapping up in a few minutes. But any other sort of key mindset messages you would like to share?
2: Oh, what was I going to say? I felt like there was something else. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do talk about like um, a can't versus won't mindset. And that has to do with um, recognizing your child's behavior as a call for help. So Mm -hmm. and and kind of getting out of that victim role, similar to what we talked about before. But this idea that when, you know, if we see our child, you know, bite his sibling or something like that, we realize that it's like. I couldn't do any different. Right. He couldn't do any different in that moment. Not like he's trying to spite you. And again, because even if you don't believe it right now, as you're listening to me, it's going to allow you to behave better as a parent. I believe it's true. Right. I, I honestly believe that that he is doing the best that he can. Right. And so he, he, if he could do better, he would do better.
1: Well, and that's what mindset shift is all about, right? It's not yeah. about knowing for a fact that he can't versus he won't, or that the, the one we use is naughty versus neurological. And it's not about yeah. knowing for a fact that right. there's nothing naughty going on. It just all has to do with neurodivergence. Right. It's about, I want to help my kid to change his behavior or to fit in better or whatever it is that I want. And I want right. to solve this problem or move forward this situation. Yeah. I can't do that if I'm upset and frustrated and, judgy and dysregulated about my kids' behavior. I need to be over here going, okay, wait, it is what it is. How do we move it forward?
2: Totally. I, I, I completely agree.
0: So so why don't we take a pause and let people find out more about you? And and we know we've got information that will be in the show notes, so you don't have to give us the www's, but um, tell us a little bit about what you do and how people could find you.
2: Sure. I run Parenting Boys Peacefully. I have a membership community of parents of young boys who are struggling with hard behaviors. And, you know, I say sort of two-ish to ten-ish, but I got a bunch of tweeny teens in there now, like maybe 12, 13 at the top. But my focus is really on younger, younger boys. And the way into that uh, membership community is either via one-on-one work with me, which I do a little bit of, or more likely via my course, which is called out with aggression, Mm -hmm. uh, a step-by-step practice to stop your boy's aggressive behaviors and lift your parenting confidence. And, um, yeah. And so those are for the two ways into my world. And if you were to go to my website, you could sign up for my 10-day reconnect. It's called Parenting Boys Peacefully, a 10-day reconnect. And it's free and it will kind of introduce you to my way of thinking and my personality and some of the strategies that I use to, to sort of give you an idea of whether or not we might be a match. Lovely. Yeah. Lovely. Well.
1: So what, as we start to wrap up, Tasha, what either take us back to something earlier to to put a pin in it or what haven't we covered that you want to make sure we cover
2: Mm, we haven't covered a lot that I want to make sure we cover so I have to like I have so many things to say so I guess the one thing that I want to leave parents with is I truly believe that you are the best person to help your sweet boy through his hard behaviors so, oftentimes, parents, you know, you feel like you need to go find professional help. And I do think that um, there is room for professional help. And I, I am not anti any of it. But sometimes we feel like because we're so worn down and we're so sort of hands on the air, frustrated, nothing's working, don't know what to do, that we just want to outsource it. Believe me, I've been there. Like, can I just? Pay somebody, bribe somebody to make this go away to help life go better. But the truth is that you are the only person who knows your sweet boy, like the way that he like at the depth that you need to know to be able to help him. You know, like all his little idiosyncrasies and what makes him tick, and you love him in a way that nobody else on this planet loves him. And you know, nobody else is gonna take the job. So uh, I just want to encourage you by telling you that you are the right person and, and you really have everything it takes t- to do. Uh, Beautiful. So, uh, yeah. I think I'll just say that there are lots of yeah. little, little tips and tricks, but that's the biggest piece. Like you can do it.
0: Yeah, you can do it. And totally. you may need some guidance and support to help you do it as well as you want to do it. And nobody knows your kid better than you. Hmm. And as to your point, I, I, and nobody loves your kid as much as you do.
2: Yeah. Nobody's invested in our children in the way that we are. Right. I'm not invested in yours on the way you are. You're not invested in mine the way I am. I mean, that's just normal. Yeah.
1: And parents are pretty exhausted when they're dealing with some of these challenges. So I just want to acknowledge that. And, uh, you know, our heart is with all of you who are really struggling with your kiddos' behaviors. And um, your invitation to get some support for yourselves is a strong one, Tasha. So, yeah, absolutely.
2: And I would say it's even less information and more about community. Because, um, like I said, we, and, yeah, yeah, it's more about community that I see allows parents to show up differently despite Agreed. the exhaustion.
0: Yeah. Agreed. We often talk about is there's, there's information and then there's implement integration and implementation. Yes. You got the information now it's, it's, how do you see that you're not alone and what do you do with it to move forward? So, yeah, there's
2: a lot of shame, which we didn't touch on at all. Sorry. We have so many things we haven't touched on, but like shame, shame is huge when you've got a kid who's struggling in this way. So community Mm -hmm. is a great way, sort of an antidote for that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. We need to wrap this up, Tasha. Thank you for, for what you're doing for yourself and for families and for your kids and for the families that you work with and for sharing that with our community. My um, pleasure. Thanks I for really giving me the opportunity. appreciate the perspective very much. Diane, Do you have a wrap?
1: This? Quote. Do you have a quote or a motto that you want to share with our audience, Tasha?
2: Oh, gosh. Well, one thing I love to say, another thing we didn't get into is setting limits, which is one of the things that I love to talk about, but because Um, If you're listening to this, you probably have a child who's struggling with behaviors and you're trying to figure out how to set limits. So one thing that I like to say a lot is that we get to decide what the limits are, but we don't get to decide how our child feels about those limits that we set. And I think if we can remember that, we can have much more success in helping our kids through the hard behaviors. We get to decide, we get to keep everybody safe, but we can't control how they feel. So let's let's that. allow them to feel what they feel about the limits that we've decided make sense.
1: Beautiful. Love that. Awesome. Thank you again, Tasha. So grateful to have you here. And um, as we wrap up, those of you who are listening, Take a minute and capture some ahas or some items that you want to move forward, or you want to do something different based on our conversation today, or you want to make sure you don't forget something. Take what's your, what's your key insider
0: takeaway from today? What's the one thing that really is sticking with you from all that we've talked about? And is there some action you want to take with that moving forward? Or is it maybe just beginning to play with a mindset shift? What is it for you today?
1: Thank you for everything you're doing for yourself and for your kids. At the end of the day, you make the difference. Take care, everybody. We'll see you on the next one. You've been
0: listening to the Parenting with Impact podcast with Elaine and Diane. For more information on the Impact Parents community or to join Sanity School for Parents, please visit impactparents.com. If you like what you've heard, please share this podcast with friends who need similar guidance and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For the essentials of Elaine and Diane's coach approach to parenting, download a free tip sheet at impactparents.com slash podcast. Behavior therapy training for parents is actually recommended as a first-line treatment for complex kids. For information about Sanity School, our training program for parents or teachers, which has helped thousands of families around the globe, visit impactparents.com slash Sanity School.